Hey, it's Tom. Welcome back to the Can of Boomers podcast. Have you ever been underwhelmed by CBD? Or have you ever looked at a CBD product on the shelf or online and, and wondered, is this really worth it? Is it really going to do what it says it's going to do? And what does it say it's going to do? Well, this week we're diving into those sorts of questions with Mariel Weintraub. She is president of the board of directors of U.S. Hemp Authority. They are in the business of certifying hemp CBD as quality or not. It's an important function because as we know, there's been hundreds of CBD products that have flooded the market in the last couple of years. We don't know where they all come from. We don't know what kind of processes are behind their production. If they're clear and clean of solvents and pesticides and molds, these are important things to know when you're putting this in your body. So we are really glad to have Marielle on to address some of these things and uh, increase our store of knowledge around CBD and how it's produced and what goes into a quality product. If this is your first episode, I uh, hope you enjoy it. Share it with your friends and uh, think about giving us a review at Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google Podcasts or wherever you listen. We're trying to get the word out and episodes like this are really important, I think, for people to hear to make sure that you're getting the right stuff in your body. Have a listen and uh, let us know how you like it. Thanks for listening. This is Let's Talk About Weed, the Cannaboomers podcast, CBD, microdosing, and all things related to medical cannabis for baby boomers. From San Diego, here's your host, Thomas J. Hey, it's Tom back with the Cannaboomers podcast. We're here this week with Marielle Weintraub, PhD, Vice President of Regulatory and Government Affairs for Eureka 93 and President of the Board of Directors for U.S. Hemp Authority, which is now offering a certification process for producers of CBD hemp oil. Good morning, Marielle. Good morning. How are you? Very good. Thanks. Give us the 20,000 foot perspective on U.S. Hemp Authority and what you guys are doing. Uh, so the U.S. Hemp Authority is a certification program that came about. Um, we started developing, developing it around 2016 uh, and released it uh, at the beginning of 2018 after the Farm Bill passage. Uh, and what it does is it's a third party independent audit of hemp and CBD companies, as well as hemp farmers and growers, um, where we created a self-regulatory um, guideline and certification while we wait for uh, a more federally created list of regulations. We wanted to make sure that products on the market were safe, were legal, and were quality. So sort of an industry watchdog while we wait for the FDA to get its stuff together. Correct. Uh, it's actually very similar to the way that uh, the organic symbol for USDA started. That was also a self-regulatory organization um, that was then picked up by the, the USDA. Our listeners have seen so much CBD. I mean, there are hundreds of, of companies um, putting product out. Why is there the need for this kind of self-regulation? The need is there because there is so much out there. There's a lot of information. Not all of it is correct. Uh, and when you are a consumer, uh, you've basically been on your own to figure out what brands are good, who's following regulations, what are the regulations, um, they change state by state. <laughs> uh, so what we wanted to do is have a very clear and easy marking that would allow consumers to easily identify um, top quality um, and, and best practices being, being done in the, in the CBD oil making or other hemp product creation. Uh, so basically, mm -hmm. we, we wanted consumers to have kind of a head start in being able to identify which 
products they would be better off buying. And as you mentioned, the whole testing protocol is from farm to shelf just yes, about. Yes, so there's different divisions uh, in our guidelines. We're, we are as transparent as we possibly can be. If you go to our website, which is uh, www.ushempauthority.org, um, what you'll see there is you can click on our current guidelines. We're also in a very evolving space. So the regulations are changing. The... Um, the equipment is changing. And so we have to make sure we're able to update our guidelines as these changes occur. So you'll also see that there is a, uh, a 2.0 coming out where right now you can read um, a draft copy of the new guidelines. And we are asking for industry to comment on these guidelines. Um, and you can really see where we're focusing. So there's a grower section. There is a like a a product, um, sorry, <laughs> there's a um, manufacturing section, a production section, and then we're also adding a brand owners section um, so that people who are white labeling, so they're buying from others and just putting, putting their name on it, putting a, a small spin on it and selling it have to um, pass their own hemp authority seal. They just can't use the, the producers that they're buying from if they have a seal. What are the costs to the growers and manufacturers and, and even brand owners to get certified? So it's a very different from the growers to um, anyone else who owns a product. Um, and it also depends on what the farmer is growing for. So if they're growing for uh, hemp, uh, for hemp seed or for fiber, it's going to cost them less to have an audit than it would if they're growing for the flour to make CBD oil. Um all the prices are broken down in our frequently asked questions because we don't want to hide anything. Um, and so you'll see that like for the audit for a hemp producer, uh, for a product producer, it's $13.95 for the audit. Um, and that audit is done by a third party independent company. Uh, and they are where food comes from. And they are actually certified to be an auditing company. It's also what makes us stand apart from some of the other quote unquote certifications out there. And a lot of those are actually self-assessments and they don't have a third party auditor coming to the site um, to verify whether or not what was written in the self-assessment was true. And then is that audit repeated year after year or is it a one-time It one is a yearly thing? audit. Um, it needs to be a yearly audit, especially in this industry as the regulations are, continu are continuously changing. Absolutely. Well, and you know, we do see a lot of, a lot of need for CBD certification. I think in the news last week was the FDA talking about vaping causing seizures. There's a lot of different kind of vaping going on. Some of it has nothing to do with CBD, but there's a lot of confusion. A certification really, as you say, helps consumers get a head start on, on what's right, I what. Just, I want to make sure people know that the U.S. Hemp Authority right now um, is only certifying uh, dietary supplement and food um, products. We don't certify vape products at this time because we don't believe there's a good standard to compare them to. Whereas for vape, okay. for um, food and dietary supplement products, um, we're very easily able to add in the uh, Code of Federal Regulations for food and dietary supplements. And there are very specific limits for things like heavy metals, pesticides, residual solvents, uh, anything that might be used in the production of these, whereas it is not as clear 
when it comes to the creation of vape products. So at this time, we do not certify vape products. Okay. You're telling me that um, you, you will certify dietary products and make sure that they align with sort of existing FDA regulations? Um, so what we did accurate? is we utilized the, the Code of Federal Regulations for good manufacturing uh, of food and dietary supplements when it made sense for the, for the hemp products. Um, but in addition to using those, we also grabbed very stringent state regulations so in the food world, there's something called Prop 65 in California. If you look at most things you buy, it'll have a yellow triangle with an exclamation point in it. Um, it's, it was uh, approved in California under the, the Safe Water Act. But it's a list of uh, ingredients that if they exist in your products need to be called out on the label um, to acknowledge their existence to in that case, it was California buyers. But because most companies don't want to create a separate label for every state they send into, uh, we are taking the most stringent regulations in the hemp world uh, by state and making sure that those are what are being followed under the hemp authority certification. Just like any exactly. other food product. If you bought avocados or something, you'd want to know that they're developed and grown according to the Right. And when standards. it comes to farmers, there are things that called good agri agricultural practices that already exist. Uh, and so we brought some of those in, in addition to other very cannabis, uh, hemp specific growing processes. Well, and as you mentioned, things continue to evolve. I mean, even the availability of a new type of microscope can change the kind of testing. Right. You're doing so I actually, um, my PhD is in neuroscience. Um, and I will never forget cause I came home from the first day of uh, intro to psych and I told my dad all about the synapse in the brain and how it fires. And I refer to it as a heavy in synapse. And my dad's like, well, I know what a synapse is. And Donald Hebb taught me intro to psych. He must have found a way to prove his dissertation that was 22 pages. So things are forever evolving. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and faster than ever. Can you tell us where the FDA is at right now? I mean, talk about evolution. And, uh, <laughs> I read that there's a movement to kind of expedite their CBD processing and, and come out with some guidelines. But uh, you would know better than I where that's at. Um, well, I wish I knew exactly where the FDA was, because um, then I think I would have forever job security. Mm -hmm. But, but um, what I found very interesting about what's happening in the hemp world with the FDA versus every other uh, product out there is that Congress has been pushing the FDA to create faster or to come out with regulations faster, um, and that's a first. Um, so. What's interesting also is that you've got groups like the WHO um, who have very clearly said that um, there is no abuse potential for CBD and does not pose a, a risk to public health. And then you've got the FDA who is asking um, us in the industry to turn in any research that we might have, any dosing information we might have, any toxic research we might have. Um, but what they're forgetting is that until January 1st of this year or of 2018, we weren't, or yeah, this year we weren't able to um, even do a lot of this research in the U S. So a lot of us have been reliant on research that has been, been ongoing in Israel since the sixties uh, has taken place in Prague and other countries. Um, but they're trying to create uh, a database of information, uh, which is important. And it's the reason the FDA is there. Um, is to protect um, consumers. Uh, but at the same time, they're getting this push from 
Congress to move faster. And um, what I actually think in this case is actually very important. A lot of us are waiting for the FDA, a lot of us being the industry, are waiting for the FDA to, to roll out these guidelines because we are still facing issues with banking and credit card processing. So the U.S. Hemp Authority used to have a credit card processor who dropped us because we have hemp in our name. We don't sell any CBD oil. We don't produce any CBD oil. And we exist to make CBD oil safer for um, for, for the people. Uh, and yet we get dropped because every six months they go through their, their list of customers and realize that we have hemp in the title. Um, so we are waiting for clear guidelines so that banking makes sense and processing makes, makes sense and all these ancillary services you wouldn't think about we wouldn't normally that wouldn't normally have an issue with a dietary supplement or a food um, continue to take issue with us. Yeah, you're at the intersection of a lot of moving parts there where, you know, the, the culture has um, is demanding this stuff and the science is advancing, but the commerce end of it and, and the governmental end are still lagging. And I mean, I think you said a lot there, but maybe the, the funniest thing is Congress is pushing for this to happen. And that's a first. It's the first time they push the FDA for faster regulations. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> okay. good, good. Thanks for qualifying that because they're some of our cynical listeners might think it's the first time they've ever done anything, but that's, that's another topic. And you mentioned the, the WHO, the World Health Organization. So uh, this is happening around the world, and the U.S. leads the world, I assume, in, in this. Although, I don't know, are there other countries who are more enlightened on CBD and have a better framework of laws in place? So there are a lot of countries that have been doing this a lot longer than we have. They have different regulations, but it depends on the day of the week and the country you're in. So it's not like a complete EU. Um, it is separated by country. You can't go from country to country. The regulations change and in one area. It'll be legal in the other area. It won't be. Uh, it'll be legal in one form, but not the other. So there is a lot of patchwork um, globally. Um, Canada's I find very interesting because Canada put growing hemp in the agriculture side, but chose to put CBD in with the Cannabis Act and you can only get it through a dispensary, uh, even though it has nothing, it has no THC in it. Um, but they're also going back and looking at that as well, um, because that was when they were rolling out regulations very, very quickly. Um, and now I think they're re-examining CBD through the dispensary channel. Uh, it's very similar to uh, what California tried to do. Um, California had had uh, something came out from the pharmacist group where they were trying to have CBD only available through the dispensary channel. Um, that's no longer correct. Um, but they tried it that way. And there was a huge pushback because there's a lot of people that are using a hemp CBD product as almost an everyday supplement um, for everyday wellness. And you don't necessarily want to, um, like someone like my mom wouldn't necessarily want to go into a dispensary to get it because there's still a lot of stigma around that. Um, but she's very happy to be able to go online and order it. So there was a lot of pushback when they tried to move CBD into the dispensary system. Sure. I can't think of any other product that came out of nowhere so quickly. And as you say, I mean, there are, I guess, millions of people now using it as an everyday supplement or using it um, periodically for pain or anxiety or insomnia or uh, any number of things. 
and that's why you're in existence, I guess, is this is how it all happened so fast. Right. And, and although we don't allow the U S hemp authority does not allow anyone who's, who's marketing this as a dietary supplement or a food to make claims. So you won't see words like anxiety or pain, um, or inflammation, things like that, uh, on our labels, um, or on our approved labels. Um, we want to make sure that people are educated about it, but they have to understand that because we're, we are marketing as dietary supplements and food, we are not allowed to make things like they're called structure function claims, uh, without appropriate, uh, scientific backing. So you'll see that melatonin is always listed as helping with sleep. And then they can do that because it has the appropriate scientific backing to have a structure function claim. Okay. But for a lot of supplements, there is not the science. And like any other supplement with CBD, you can't make those claims until you have the science. Right. So a lot of, a lot of the groups have the science to make sure that what they're selling is safe. Groups like CV Sciences that sells plus CBD oil did what's called a self-grass assessment. So grass standing for generally recognized as safe. Sometimes people think it has something to do with the cannabis plant, um, <laughs> but um, they are doing things like toxicology reports and things like that that they did share um, with the FDA when they requested when they requested that kind of scientific backing. So you're saying maybe one manufacturer has done some research and they can make a claim, but others can't. Um, most of the manufacturers are doing research. Um, I don't think any of the manufacturers at this point would make a claim, even if they had the scientific backing to do so, because making a claim um, basically makes you low hanging fruit for the FDA. Uh, if you pull the numerous, well, there's not that many anymore, but um, if you go all the way back to 2015, when the warning letters from the FDA started coming out to CBD products, um, most of the time it was a structure function claim that brought the attention of the FDA um, in those letters. Mm -hmm. If we uh, zoom back out to the consumer who maybe can't sleep or, or has anxiety or has some kind of uh, pain, and they've read somewhere that CBD helps with inflammation or it can help reduce anxiety, they want to acquire some and they're just not sure which, which brand and they're trying to figure that out. How do they best do that? Um, so in this, in this particular world right now, we need educated consumers. Um, so understanding the endocannabinoid system, understanding the different cannabinoids. So it's not just CBD, there's CBG and CBN, um, CBDV and so on. And so understanding the cannabinoids and where, and what they affect in the endocannabinoid system can help you then look at these various companies who are being very transparent and posting they're, they're called C of A, Certificates of Analysis from different labs. Um, and you can see the percentages of the different cannabinoids and understanding your body and the endocannabinoid system, um, which sounds confusing, but it's very well defined um, on some sites online um, that I'm happy to, I can email them to you. I don't have them pulled up in front of me. Um, but you can understand the endocannabinoid system the cannabinoids they have and look at the C of A's of these companies that post them. For instance, Bluebird Botanicals posts all their C of A's uh, on a database online that you have access to and understand where you might go and which product to buy, depending on what um, you are wanting relief of or help with. What you mentioned there about, you know, taking sort of responsibility for your own health, that, that's another cultural change for a lot of Americans. I mean, 
the the model has been that you go to your doctor and he prescribes this pharmaceutical to you and, and you don't ask questions. You just go, okay, I'll take that as often as you tell me and then I'll, I'll get it refilled. So it's sort of a different model to ask people to do some homework, listen to their body, know what's going on. It's a bit of a departure. It is, it is a change, but it's actually been a shift that has been noticed in marketing across multiple dietary supplements, so not just in the hemp world. Um, I was at an OPA event, so the American Herbal, Herbal Products Association had a, a marketing person speaking, and they were talking about the trend um, where they noticed that, I think it was millennials who just stopped buying the overall vitamin, um, so like the one-a-days and things like that, and what they started doing um, was really understanding what the vitamin did and how it affected their body and started buying products based on that information. And so I think this shift has been an overarching shift uh, in the dietary supplement world and the consumer world um, and may have started when they started putting calories on, on menus. Um, but people are becoming much more aware of themselves, their body, and what their body is, is needing. We talked a little bit about the difficulties with banking and hoping Congress can, can get this going quickly. At the law enforcement level, I think there's still confusion between hemp and cannabis. I mean, if you put a pound of hemp next to a pound of cannabis, a law enforcement officer might not know the difference without getting it tested. And that seems to extend into the realm of, of CBD where there's still confusion about, is this stuff legal? I think there's a few states, uh, South Dakota, Louisiana, Idaho where I don't know if CBD is um, given the, the latitude it's given in other states. Um, I completely agree with your statement. But so I've been in this world for four and a half years. And if you put a pound of low THC cannabis or hemp next to a pound of high THC um, cannabis, which some still refer to as marijuana, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. They look the same. They smell the same. Um, and the only way you know it is if you test it or you smoke it. So um, it's really the only way you can tell. Um, and that's where a lot of this issue is coming from. What's interesting though, is to make um, CBD products from a high THC cannabis plant or marijuana would be a waste of money. So CBD and THC are negatively correlated to each other. So as one goes up, the other goes down. Um, and so high THC plants have very low levels of CBD and high CBD plants have very low levels of THC. So to actually grow high THC plants for CBD would honestly be a waste of money. Um, so I think we're getting more transparent with, with, um, with the officers and with um, trying to be very clear about what we're traveling with. There are transportation rules now that you carry a C of A, you can show the THC and the CBD levels. Um, in addition, a lot of finished products now have a QR code. That QR code was actually um, put into law in the state of Indiana. Um, so having that QR code that someone can scan the bottle and it pulls up the C of A and shows that the THC level is below that federally legal limit of 0.3% uh, by dry weight is very important and really is one of the only ways to, to show the difference the, we are hoping that the, the U.S. Hemp Authority seal can also be used as a way for law enforcement to identify legal products. That's a great use of the QR code, finally. I mean, it was used in marketing forever in, in, <laughs> in sort of useless ways. I think you touched on what makes you different from other groups doing this, that in some cases it's a self-assessment. 
and that you're evolving. Where do you see the U.S. Hemp Authority certification going in the future? Is there a place where it becomes static and and doesn't continue to change, or do you think it continues to evolve? Um, I think it will continue to evolve. Um, The U.S. Hemp Authority is a nonprofit organization, Um, and and we're legally independent of hemp companies. So there are some certifications out there that are certifying their own products, Um, which, and then there's others that sound like they're very put together. And then you go to a presentation and you realize that it's a privately owned company and they're actually certifying the platform, um, that sell the CBD oil or hemp oil and other hemp products. Um, so I actually think our certification is most unlike any other because we're not a pay to play organization. Um, because we are not pay to play and we use a third party auditor, we are continuing, um, to make sure that as the regulations change, we change with them. Um, I think the regulations are going to continue to change. I don't know how immediate a federal, uh, guideline would be followed because we have federal food guidelines and we still have different states with different regulations and different allowances of pesticides and heavy metals and residual solvents. And and I'm talking about in our food and dietary supplements, right? So not even just in hemp oil or other, or other CBD products. Um, so I think that we will continue to exist. What we're really hoping for is that the U S hemp authority, um, becomes, are the go-to guideline and the go-to regulation for the country. Um, We fit right into things that FDA already does. So we would not be a far stretch if the FDA, just like the USDA did with organic, if the FDA wanted to pick up the guidelines from the U.S. Hemp Authority. Um, They were designed to fit in with FDA's current guidelines. Okay. So I think we're going to continue to grow. Um, And I think... Right now, actually, because of FISMA, so the Food Safety Modernization Act, when it comes to retailers, there's something called a supplier verification program. And there are retailers that are now uh, looking into using the U.S. Hemp Authority certification as their supplier verification program. And I think that speaks volumes when these very large retailers are looking to us um, to basically in what amounts to do the vetting for them. Um, to make sure that the products that they're putting on their shelves are safe and legal and quality assured. Are you talking about drugstores and grocery stores? And yes, those kind of, that type of retailer. Yes. You know, in the consumer world, there, there was the good housekeeping seal of approval and the UL labs on on lamps and stuff. So just that level of scrutiny that gets there before the government does, and then maybe does become part of how the government certifies things. Right. We, we grew out of a need. Um, there was a group of hemp and CBD companies that were concerned that a wrong move from one of, from a, uh, from a hemp company would lead to what we used to refer to as a 60 minutes moment. Um, and so this regulation and this guideline and the certification grew out of a need because there were no very easily identifiable guidelines back in 2016. Um, And so as we continue to grow and as we add in more and more federal regulation and as we continue to get more information on this product and as the feds roll out some guidelines, um, we will continue to grow our certification so that we are assuring 
the consumers that they can trust um, the products they're buying that have our seal. Well, let me ask you, what does a consumer risk when they purchase a product that's not certified? So um, hemp is a bioaccumulator. Um, so is broccoli. So when you plant hemp, anything in the soil um, is going to end up in the plant. Uh, and then we're going to go ahead and process it and we're going to extract it, which is going to compound anything that's already in the plant. Um, and so understanding how to read C of A's and trusting the products you're buying are very important because they can be very high in heavy metals. They can be high in pesticides if, if the, the farmers are using pesticides in the ground or it'll say it's a third rotation crop and the other two products use pesticides, the pesticides are going to be in the soil. Mm. Um, and so understanding the kinetics is, is very, very important. It's also very difficult. Um, which is why we're trying to be transparent with uh, certificates of analysis available. Um, and so we're trying to bring peace of mind, but we're also trying to assure that the companies are doing, um, are working at higher levels, are trying to make the best products they can, um, and are taking into account the difficulties of uh, that that growing hemp and processing hemp um, have just naturally. And then at the same time, there are two very common, there's probably the two most common ways uh, to extract CBD and other cannabinoids is either through supercritical CO2 or through ethanol. Um, there are also groups that still use butane and methane, and those will be found in your product if, if that's what they're using and they're not accounting for it. And so we are making sure that people test and prove their residual solvent levels are at allowable levels. You've mentioned the C of A's several times, and uh, I've noticed a lot of those online. I know there are some felony level shenanigans where people will take someone else's C of A and, and present it as their own. What are the other pieces besides having a, a reliable certificate of analysis? Um, so other, uh, well, in addition to the reliable certificate of analysis, um, in guideline 2.0, we're now requiring that the testing labs that are being used are third party, not just in-house and that those third party labs have what's called a, as a, it's an ISO, um, so it's an international standard 17025, um, but they're an ISO accredited lab. So they also have people that are coming in and auditing the lab. Um, you want to look online and see if these companies are making a lot of structure function claims. Um, that would scare me, mm -hmm. quite honestly. I wouldn't necessarily believe it's a, a highly reputable company if, it, if they have um, cures cancer and Alzheimer's and um, Parkinson's and, and so on and so forth written. Um, in their descriptions. What sort of language would you look for in a reputable provider? Would they be talking about the purity of the product? They're not going to make claims. They're not going to say, if you have inflammation, this is, a, this is good. It'll say something more like it supports everyday wellness. They're very clear. There's a, um, a dietary supplement or a nutritional facts panel um, available, depending on whether or not it's a dietary supplement or a food. Um, they'll break down the number of milligrams of each cannabinoid or the percentages of each cannabinoid. Um, there should be a frequently asked questions section. Hopefully there's something that says, do you get drug tests? Is there a possibility of popping positive on a, uh, on a, on a drug test? We want to make sure everything is transparent, um, that no one is hiding anything. 
that they're available. If you call them, does someone answer? Do they get back to you? Are they willing to share certificates of analysis? Are they willing to share um, grower licenses of who, uh, so you know that they bought legally grown hemp, things like that. Mm -hmm. Saying that it supports everyday wellness, that's not considered a claim. No, that's not a claim because it's not um, specifically disease related. Okay. So if somebody's um, at CVS or somewhere, then maybe they don't have time to do all that. And that's when they can look for the U.S. Hemp Authority seal and have some confidence that this particular product has passed muster. Right. Or check the QR code and see that the NISO accredited lab was used for testing. How many um, uh, CBD manufacturers have been certified by, by you guys so far? Um, I believe there are 21 now listed on our site. Um, I only find out about those that pass after they've paid the licensing fee and are added to the website. Um, none, none of the board, um, have anything to do with the signing up, the auditing, um, the vetting. So we have nothing to do with that side of it. And then we find out when the rest of the public does as to, to who passed and, and, and what they do. So you'll see them on our site. They're marked out by either producers or growers. And then after 2.0 comes out, we'll also be able to separate out brand owners as well. So there's your site where people could look up the manufacturers and there's also your kind of distinctive seal that will be placed on products. Correct. Do you know the volume of manufacturers lined up? Is there sort of a stampede to get certified? Um, I know that there is a long list. I don't know how many are on that list. Um, Up until about a year ago, this was a very small community and a very small industry. And we didn't want to scare anyone from going through the audit process um, because they thought if they failed, we would know. And we didn't want that to stop anyone from going through an audit. And if they had gaps somewhere, understanding where those gaps were so they could fix it. Um, So we very purposely keep it completely separated and run by where food comes from, which is our third party independent auditors. Uh, and then after they pass the audit, their name is sent to us if they want to um, sign the licensing agreement. You wouldn't certify a balm or a vape, just things that are taken orally. Oh, I apologize. I did mistake. We, um, we do dietary supplements, um, food, and we also do cosmetics. So the balms and the salves and the lotions we do as well. You're probably not doing pet products. As someone else is doing that, I'm sure. So we do pet um, treats. We don't do any, um, pet food that is labeled as pet feed that falls under AFCO, um, and the animal, uh, um, and the animal level of standards. Okay. Um, for cosmetics, your skin is the biggest organ in your body. So it's just as important to have product that doesn't have any pesticides or heavy metals or anything like that. Well, what scares me more than pesticides and heavy metals in my skin is um, micro, any microbiology loads. Um, So if you have a cut on your skin, you can very easily um, contract staph infections. Um, So we do follow when it comes to the cosmetics uh, regulations, we are looking at the different micro as well as the heavy metals uh, and residual solvents. But they are slightly different um, depending on what the intended use is. Micro, like, would that be fungi and stuff, bacteria? Staph, E. coli, um, yeah, bacteria. Wow, okay, that's good to know, too. There's a lot of speculation about whether cannabis will be descheduled at the federal level. If and when that would happen, how would that change what you're doing, or would it? 
Um, I honestly don't think it necessarily will. Um, uh, recreational cannabis and hemp CBD products serve very different purposes for different people. So they both have their place in the market. It doesn't make financial sense to pull CBD from a high THC plant. Um, and so I do believe that both markets will continue to grow. Uh, if anything, um, I'm hoping that the federal regulations are re-looked at because right now it's it's done state by state by state by state. Um, and there are some states that are also trying to add regulations for hemp that mimic those of being state centric, like they have their cannabis plants, um, their cannabis regulations. And I do think that stife, like stif um, can stifle the hemp and CBD market. So places like, I believe Maine just passed regulations like that um, are looking to. Uh, and so I think they both have their place in this market. I don't know if one will affect the other. Um, if they do, I hope it's in a positive way where we, we reevaluate federal mm -hmm. regulations. So sort of a uniform federal policy would help deal with what can sometimes be called a patchwork of laws state by state. Right. We look at consumers here mostly. I mean, I think that's my audience, but there are also people who maybe want to jump into the business. And if if I wanted to jump in and create a CBD product, what would you what would you tell me? That's an excellent question. Um, <laughs> um, I would actually want to make sure that someone coming into the CBD space or the hemp um, hemp product space. Um, are fully aware of the challenges uh, facing the industry, but also there are immense prospects. So I think we would encourage them to go through the process of becoming hemp authority certified to ensure their success. I would actually tell them to go look at the guidelines so they understand what they are getting into. It is not an easy market. It is not easy to grow. Uh, if you're looking at growing hemp, if you if you breathe on this plant the wrong way, the CBD percentages drop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so really understanding the challenges facing the industry still um, and weighing that against the the immense prospects that exist. Yeah, there, there's a ton of excitement about it. There's still a lot of questions. And um, I think you guys are doing great work to help people figure out on both sides what needs to be done to make sure that people are getting good quality product. I really appreciate you and, and your stance on, on educating and, and understanding the industry. Well, thanks. We're helping people figure it out because as we talked about with just even listening to your own body and doing the homework, I think uh, is essential in this realm. And uh, thank you for helping our listeners figure that out. As this market continues to grow and, and have derived products um, are more and more requested, it's really important for us that we signal um, to the world that we intend to act responsibly. And so that's really where the certification comes in is, is an easy way to identify safe, legal and quality products. Fantastic. And we can find you at ushempauthority.org. Correct. Uh, are you on Twitter and Facebook as well? The, the company that originally or the, the group that the trade group that originally seed funded us is available on, I think it's Instagram uh, Twitter and Facebook. So they're the hemp round table. Um, I personally am on all three of those, but because we are third party independently, um, certified and, um, wanting to make sure that we're overall growth for the industry, we don't have our own Twitter handle, 
Instagram or Facebook. Um, so we mostly work off, uh, the website and then, um, mentions in, in media, like your podcast. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you're not, you're not really a marketing organization. You're more of a, a science a and safety based. Yeah. yeah. You, and you want to be objective and, right. and not, not be touting things. Very good. Well, thanks again for your time and uh, sharing your expertise. I know this episode will be well received because uh, there's such a need for this information. So thank you, Marielle. Sure. You've been listening to Let's Talk About Weed, the Cannaboomers podcast with Thomas J. For more on medicinal cannabis for baby boomers, visit us at cannaboomers.com.